Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I pray you're ready for the word today, because this is my opportunity to feed you. And... Uh, and I'm excited to, to share with you out of God's Word. And we've been talking in the month of May on our Overflow series a lot about what we can do for the project um, and how we can get involved with the Overflow campaign. Today I would like to relieve you a bit and take the focus off of you. And I want to place it instead on God. And the focus today is what he can do. Because in life, there's a lot that I think I can do, but I also have come to a great realization is I can do so much, but when I give my life and everything in it over to God, he can do a lot more than I ever imagined or thought possible. And so today, let's take the pressure off in terms of how we're going to raise the funds and all of that. Today, I just want to preach a message and and just really minister to you. Because a lot of times, we want to do the best and as much as we can. But we have to understand, when we release it to God, He can take our effort or our ability and accomplish much more. And so today, let's see what God can do through you. Let's see what God can do through each one of us. And I believe we will give him glory and honor in the end. And so I ask you, what can God do? Don't answer, but think. What can God do? What can God do? My answer that I came up with as I was thinking about the question was anything and everything. And then I realized this. There is only one thing that is impossible for God. Do you know what that one thing is? Nothing, (laughs) nothing is impossible for God. That's the one thing. It's nothing. And so Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So understand that as we see what God can do, we can't even think about how much he can do. We we are actually limited in our thinking is what it's telling us. Because God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. So... um, Question for you, if God's ways and thoughts are higher, how do we go about trusting him? Because it's pretty scary if it's unknown, right? If they're higher than ours, how do we go about trusting him? And I submit this uh, thought to you, it's by faith. It's by faith that we trust him. It's the same faith required for salvation. Because how do I know? How do I know that Jesus died on the cross And rose from the dead. I believe it. How? By faith. By faith I believe. So we need a measure of faith. When we say. God I want to see what you can do now. We need faith. To release. Our trust to him. That's how we do it. 
And so I want to touch on faith a little bit this morning. But Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you can do all the right things. You can come to church and never miss a Sunday. You can even tithe. You can give. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So take the the element of faith out of your life. You could do all the right things, but it still wouldn't please God. Why? Well, because there's no measure of faith in what you're doing. You're just doing it, check, 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 check. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the Faith Hall of Fame. It it goes through a list of names. I just want to highlight two of them for you. It says, by faith, Noah built the ark. Now think of this large vessel, this large boat, and it hadn't rained. They hadn't seen any water. And they're saying, but why are you building this on the land in the middle of nowhere? Think about that. By faith, Noah built the ark. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. I'm going to flood the earth. They didn't ever experience that before. But by faith, Noah obeyed, and he did it. So we have to have a measure of faith to believe that God can do anything. To believe that what he can do is greater than what I can do. And then secondly, it was by faith that the people marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. So let's remove the element of faith. We don't have a story where the walls fall down. You see that? The, the, if we just use logic and we say, well, how do we defeat a city? How do we tear down the walls? Guess what? It's not by marching quietly around uh, a city wall. And then blowing a a trumpet or a few trumpets at that. I mean, that's not a plan for victory. But yet, by faith, they obeyed God. And those walls came crashing down. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're much higher. So I need you to understand that this morning. It's by faith. But it was also by faith that David defeated Goliath. And that's where we're going to plant ourselves this morning. So if you have your Bible, would you open to 1 Samuel chapter 17? And just keep it there, because we're not reading an entire text. I just want to walk us through that this morning. But that's where we're going to be planted, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So today, as we focus on what God can do, we're going to actually look at this through the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm there as well. And in verse 3, if you read it tonight, you want to read through it, but I'm going to break, break it up a little bit. But in verse 3, it tells us that uh, there are two hills and there's a valley in between them. And so on one side are the Philistines and on the other side are the Israelites. In between, again, is the valley. And so there they are, and we're going to jump to verse 8. If you want to follow along, we'll read now a couple of verses. And it says this, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. 
Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Notice what Goliath says in verse 10. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Look also at verse 16 now. And it says this, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. It's not looking too good for Israel at this point. Um, I mean, unless you don't know how to read, you'll miss that. But if you know how to read, the odds are stacked against them. They're afraid. Uh, Goliath is this huge, towering giant, and he's calling for one person to come out of the Israelite rank to fight. And let me give you the hint. No one is as tall or big as Goliath, and so no one steps forward. But they are afraid. They are afraid. And what are they hearing now, the Israelite army? What are they hearing? Words of fear. So two points today. Words of fear. Point number one, words of fear. And it says that in verse 8, he's taunting them. Taunting means to tease and to insult. So he's taunting them because he knows that no one is as big as him. And so he's challenging them knowing no one's going to step forward. And they cower in fear every single time. But notice how he addresses himself and then how he addresses the Israelite army. He identifies himself, he self-identifies as the Philistine champion. He's the Philistine champion. And then he, what does he call them? Oh, he doesn't even acknowledge they are an army. He calls them servants of Saul. Servants of Saul. And so words of fear. He's taunting, insulting, teasing. And then he's diminishing them to not even an army, but you're a bunch of servants who served the king. And can you see how they felt defeated? Can you see how they thought, how will we ever take care of this giant? And so this went on, we read it in verse 16, for how many days? 40 days. Did you know 40 in the Bible represents a time of testing? 40 represents a time of testing. And guess what? In 40 days, none of the Israelites measured up. In 40 days, none of the Israelites could, have, could figure out a plan or how to defeat Goliath. So they just cowered in fear and were afraid. Again, in verse 11, it says, When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Terrified and deeply shaken. I want to ask you today, what is terrifying you? And what shakes you to the core? What are you afraid of? What words of fear are you listening to or hearing with your ears? They might be very real, just like in this example, in this story. And you're probably wrestling with things and you don't know how to deal with them. Don't worry, the story gets good. Because from words of fear, we move beyond that. And we're going to see a young boy named David in just a little bit come to the scene. 
But we already said he's, he's calling for a man, Goliath. He's calling for a man, but he knows that they're not going to show up. Now, meanwhile, as all this is going on, in verses 12 to 15, now we're introduced to little David. He's the youngest of all his brothers. And as this is going on for the 40 days, David's going back and forth from the battlefield to, to just check up on his brothers. And he's running back home to let his dad know what's going on. So he's basically just giving updates. He's running back and forth, back and forth. But something is about to change because David stops for a moment while he's there. And we're going to pick it up in just a second. And he hears the, these words of fear that Goliath is shouting out. So I just want to track there for a second. So number one, we said words of fear. But we're going to see how David responds. And I'll give you that in a second. But here's some background Uh, context on David. David is number eight in the line of, of his brothers. He's number eight. What do I mean by that? Well, when Samuel the prophet showed up to his house, there were seven sons in the room because Samuel was about to anoint the next king. And the Bible says that David was out in the field. So he wasn't even one of the brothers considered at first. And so he's a number eight. He's forgotten about. He's kind of like, oh, you mean David, number eight? You know, he's just the number uh, in, in the, the line of brothers. And yet, he is the one on that day who was anointed by the prophet Samuel. And what happens, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 16, right at the end in verse 13, it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on, And then Samuel returned to Ramah. So something was different about David now. Because he had the power of the Holy Spirit evidenced in his life. And when David walks up to this battle scene, I don't know why it took him 40 days of traveling in back and forth to finally stop. But maybe the Israelites failed their test of 40 days. And now David shows up, a little boy, number eight, Uh, we're talking about our overflow campaign. He was overlooked from, from all of his brothers. He's anointed. He is a shepherd boy. And he literally is considered a boy. And so we gauge his age to be about between 12 and 15 years old. It's hard to exactly know. But you had to be at least 20 to enter into the army and to serve like his brothers were. So his three oldest brothers were in the army. If you want to do some quick math, and he had other brothers, so he was the youngest of eight. So that means, well, he could have been around 12 or 15 years old, around there. So he literally is a boy showing up to a, a battle scene where actually there's no fighting because everyone is afraid. David shows up, and let's look at verse 20, and if you have your Bible, let's take it up there and read 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. And here's what it says. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. That was his dad. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So who was leaving for battle with shouts and battle cries? 
the Israelites. But wait a minute, they were too chicken and didn't even fight. I want to submit another thought to you this morning. Is that you can make all the noise you want. But do you have the faith to back up what you're speaking about? You see, like, I could just, I wish I could have seen what was taking place there. Uh, Picture an army who know that they're not going to fight. They're just going through the ritual and the motions of, ah, whatever the battle cry would sound like and the shouts, knowing that, hey, in just about 50 steps, we're about to turn around and run away anyways. Think about that. As Christians, are we like that? Are we like that? I'm going to worship in church and I'm going to sing real loud. I'm going to give my tithe. Oh, but when I walk out the doors, I'm going to cower back into my hole. And I'll just have to wait another seven days till I can come to church again and pop my little head out because this is where I feel safe and secure. Listen, I'm happy that you feel safe and secure here because that's what we strive for, safe environment, especially for kids. But listen, we have to, we can't hide. We can't hide. We've not been called to hide the power of God. We've been called to demonstrate it. And to walk in that authority and anointing that comes from from Jesus, but also the powers, his Holy Spirit. And again, note, we said when he was anointed, David, as king, as the next king, he was a boy still. But the, the Holy Spirit came mightily upon his life. What's amazing is that there, so here's the Israelite army, the battle cries and the shout, like, who are you kidding Who are you trying to fool? Goliath wasn't fooled. He knew that they were no match and that they wouldn't do anything about it. So let's take that as a lesson that, hey, you can make as much noise as you want, but do you have the faith to believe? Because then I would much rather be quiet and, and just say, Lord, I have nothing. I'm nothing without you. So our worship is very important. I think of, I equate, the battle cry to our worship as Christians. We have to worship. When we sing, I sing it with all that I have within me. Why? Because the breath is the breath that God placed in my lungs. And the Bible, Psalm 150 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So when I sing, I sing loud. But here's the difference. It's not karaoke. I literally believe what I'm singing. I have faith that God can can move mountains. I have faith to believe that he is the unstoppable God. And nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. So when I sing, I'm, I'm declaring I agree with what I'm singing. I agree with those words. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, this is who you are. And we will see you do it. We will see you do it. And I believe. So I'm not just making noise. I'm, I'm making declarations. You see the difference? But now they're making their battle cry. But in reality, they were approaching the battle knowing, hey, we're, we're actually scared. We're not actually going to do anything about it. We're just going to turn around and run away. So, see, that's not faith. That's fear. And as Christians, we are not called to live in fear. We are called to live a life of faith. You see the contrast? So David now shows up to the battle. He's not, he's not even a fighter. He's a boy. 
But he's showing up. He's, he's just getting a report. His father, Jesse, sent him with some gifts. And let's, let's look now. I know that that was verse 20, but let's look at what happens. So there's their, their shouts and battle cries. Let's pick it up in verse 21. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. Is there hope? Are they going to stand up and fight this time? Well, let's see. Verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. And here's the difference. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Well, wait a minute, Pastor John. What's different about that? He did that for 40 days. The difference is this time David heard him. That's the difference. David hears him now. And let's see what happens. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So Israelites, 40 days pass, same response. Turn and run. I don't know if some of us do that in life. It's like, oh, I can't deal with my boss. Turn and run. Or I can't deal with that person because there's conflict. Turn and run. Well, look, David hears And something else is going to happen. Verse 25. Have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. So even with that kind of incentive, no one in the Israelite army uh, even dared to stand up and say, I'll try No one even tried. They turned and ran. So verse 26, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? And here's the difference. Are you ready for it? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You see, they're not just servants of Saul. They are actually the armies of of the living God. Did you catch the difference? David's perspective is completely different. Why? Because he had eyes and ears of faith. When all they could see is fear and all they could hear are words of faith, David comes along full of the Spirit now and says, no, 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 that's not acceptable. What you are saying is not right, and I will not tolerate how you are speaking and defying my God. Can somebody say amen? And so we need the the boldness of the Holy Spirit in those moments, and it's where we draw the literal line in the sand, and we say, no, you will not take what is not yours And you're not allowed to speak about my God that way. And let's look at what David does. Verse 27, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, this is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brothers, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. His own brothers spoke words of fear over him, saying, get out of here, you shouldn't even be here. Do you think that stopped David? Do you think he cowered away and and backed down? No. 
It goes on in verse 29. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. And so listen to verse 32. David talking to King Saul. The Bible says that Saul, when he was uh, chosen as king, was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. So Saul, the king, is really tall as well. David, little boy, but David comes up to Saul now. And here, listen to what he says. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. And then what does Saul respond? Let's continue with a a few more words of fear. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. So he's got years on you, and he's got meters on you. He's much taller. And David persisted, and here's where we're going to get to words of faith. Number one, words of fear. But number two, words of faith. And look at what it says in verse 34. David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this both to lions and bears. And here it is. And I'll do it again. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37. Get this. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And you see, what does David do? He draws on the faithfulness of God. David draws on the faithfulness of God that he has seen in his own life, with his own experience. A few more things I want to say. Goliath appears. David grabs his stones and he walks up. And and even Goliath If we want to take another example of the words that are spoken over David to discourage him, to diminish him. He says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and stones? You're just a boy. And then he says, I'll I'll feed you to the animals. And, And David doesn't back down. He doesn't cower in fear. And instead... He goes straight for it. And in verse 46, he says this. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Notice he didn't say, I will conquer you. Again, it's not what you can do. It's what he can do. And he said, today, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us words of faith, 
Would you stand to your feet this morning, church? You see, David drew on the Lord's faithfulness. In other words, if you've seen God do it once, you have faith to see him do it again. If you have faith and you've seen God do it once before, then I I call and I plead with you, have faith to see God do it again in your life. See, David, here's the key in all of this. The title of today's message is an overflow of worship. An overflow of worship. We're in our overflow series. And I've talked about words of fear and words of faith. But I want you to understand, here's the difference. David was a worshiper also. And I want to release to you a key. That in any situation you face, if you would just learn to lift your eyes up, get them off of the giant, lift your your eyes up, and you will have a totally fresh view and perspective. See, David was a worshiper, a songwriter, and a skilled musician. You can reference 1 Samuel 16. In fact, the Bible says when Saul was tormented with evil spirits, that he, he, he said, I need a musician to come and play. Now, David wasn't just any musician. He was anointed. He was skilled at what he did. And so he would come and play his harp. And it would actually soothe King Saul, his soul. He, w- he would be soothed as David would worship. And I don't think David was just performing. I believe as David was playing, he was actually worshiping the Lord with his gift, with his ability, with his skill. And so David was a worshiper. He penned many of the Psalms that we have in our Bible today. And here's the thing. Worship doesn't always make things instantly better. It doesn't. Sometimes it might. Oftentimes it doesn't. But what worship does is it puts something else in our view. The starting point is to move the giant over and to move God in view. That's the difference. So whatever situation you have, whatever giant is standing in your way, even as we're striving to raise over a million dollars for our renovation project, if we want to call that the giant, go ahead, we can. But let's not focus our attention on that. What does worship do? It puts God in our view, in our perspective. And what happens? We realize God is greater. Amen? We we realize, God, you are so much bigger than a million dollars. God, you are so much bigger than anything that I'm going through. And yes, when my eyes are fixed on the problem, they seem huge. But when I change my view and worship often, not often, worship always draws our eyes heavenward and our hands heavenward. And what happens is that our view and perspective has changed. Now, Lord, where once I doubted, where once I cowered in fear, I now have faith and I trust you because you are so great. And I love that David, as he approaches Goliath, he, he, call, he draws on the name of heaven's army. The, the name above all names, the church we've been given is Jesus. And when we get to worship God and call on the name that is above all names, we have no room for fear. Why? Because He is with us. His presence is there. And this morning, I've invited our worship team back up. 
because we're going to worship our way through whatever it is that you're going through. And we're going to remove the giant from view and place our perspective on heaven and say, Lord, you're everything I need. You're the all-sufficient one. Lord, I'm not just going to sing it today. I'm going to back it up with my faith. Lord, I put my money, I put my life, Lord, in what I'm saying right now. That, Lord, you are great. You are great. We have the name of Jesus, the name above all other names. And so maybe where you've heard words of fear, this is your opportunity to respond with words of faith today, church. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to sing. And as they do that, make your seat your altar. Just begin to ask God today for the things that you're believing for. But don't forget, if you ask Him for anything, make sure that you thank Him. Make sure you thank Him. Don't just bite the hand that feeds you, so to speak. But we say, God, thank you even for your blessings. Thank you, Lord. Let, Let us have an attitude of thanks today. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.